0: Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Picarelli, and Megan Horak. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And we're all here tonight again. And uh, we've been told by some people I've been rude because I've been introducing Pat before Megan. Oh, my. So,
1: <laughs> Oh that's a shame Megan. On you. I, I quit. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> uh,
0: Pat, Pat's supposed to get, it's in his contract. He gets first billing. So, oh, yeah. Right. That's
1: understood. <laughs> okay.
0: Well,
2: hi, guys. How you doing?
0: So, Megan is with hi, us. Everybody. Pat, how are you, pal? Oh, very good. Very well. How are you? Well, I'm glad you're over your cold. You sound fabulous now, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I feel great. I'm doing somersaults here. I feel like a million dollars. Ah, amazing. Well,
0: it's great, man. What the quality. I love it. It's 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 perfect. Well, tonight's subject is something that has been in the news. People have been anticipating it for years, actually from 2004, when the book was first published, which I still can't believe it. And the book was called, I Heard You Paint Houses. By mm. Frank Sheehan. and we had the world premiere here last Friday night.
1: Did you go? By the way,
0: no. I could have went. I I don't I don't go to those things. You know, I feel like as you if you know i I I was spoiled early on because I went to my first two pictures that won Oscars. So you're a big deal. Mm-hmm. So when you're not even in the movie, like they push you on the side and say, oh, "Excuse me, can you get off the red carpet a minute?" <laughs>
1: Well, Sorry. you know, th- you know, not only that, but you didn't even want to go to the Godfather premiere. Well how long you, I... you didn't even stay for the Godfather premiere. You walked out.
0: Well I had a hit on me, that's why.
1: Well,
2: well that's okay, uh, you to leave you somewhere. Know, yeah,
1: yeah, that helps. But yeah, you, you weren't know. too enthused about uh about the uh, that premiere or any premiers
0: for that matter. Well, I mean I'm not you know, not the person I I like going. I love the glory of it and taking the bows and, yeah. but again I think you gotta yeah. be a, a major part of things. Fortunately, the movies that I've made, you know, even Seabiscuit only won one Oscar, but, you know, I, I didn't want to go. And they called me, Why don't you come? I said, No, I don't want to go. What, what am I going to do? You know, <laughs> it's, I, don't, I was always that one. I went to the school and go out.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: But anyway, let's get back to the <laughs> subject at hand.
2: For the Irishman. Of
0: course, the, the world, and for all of us sitting here right now, and even our listeners, because what you don't know, Hollywood Godfather, our book, is now optioned, and the team that's bringing it to validity and to the camera, fortunately, is not going to take 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh,
1: like, uh, like uh, I paint houses.
0: 15
2: years. Yeah, right. Man. How many months? How many months
1: has it? How many months has it been? Okay, what, seven about it's yep. about
0: an hour and a half.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like. What is it, about three months, right? So far?
0: Yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're seven, seven months as far as.
1: You're into it, but they started talking to us seriously.
0: Oh, three months ago? Oh, yeah. 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 So
1: that was yeah, right away. I mean, yeah. going at breakneck speed. Let's hope it keeps up. Oh, yeah, no. right. We're almost
0: there. Yeah. So let's talk so about the average,
1: this. You, like you were telling me uh, the other day when we were speaking, that the average length of time from idea to project could be 10 years,
0: it's not rare, right? Oh no, it's not rare at all. I mean, uh, most of the books that I was involved with, like Seabisc was a book, Striptease was a book. They all took five or six years, and Mark Wahlberg was the one that enlightened me, because I was ready to to go with him, and now he's too old to play me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had to wait, My, my situation was much different than most people. I had to wait for a few people to die, because my lawyers said you don't want to be talking about them mm. for a lot of reasons, yeah, but one of go. them, you know. Yeah. But
2: I'm glad they advised you that.
0: Oh no! Tell me about it. But the th- the thing about what we're excited about is the fact that this movie, The Irishman, has been, I mean, getting r- reviews and raves that is only going to help our project. And as I found out just this week from our lawyers who are working for us. They, there was two majors that, uh, distributors, actually wanted to see how well this film did. Because most lay people don't know this. The the last dollar in, the budget was $160 million. Okay. And the running time on this movie is three hours and 29 minutes. And it's gonna be in the theaters a month only. So if you want to see it on the big screen, you better get there fast. Mm.
1: Well, why what, what do you think that is? To qualify for the Oscars, or uh,
0: well, yeah, I mean everybody yeah. wanted it, and uh, the and you know who fought it. And you brought it to my attention a while ago when we were talking privately, Pat, that Spielberg yeah. went crazy with these uh, streaming networks qualifying yeah. for Oscars against general release films, hmm. because you know, I, mean, not I, right. I, mean, I I think he's not right, but that's the future, fortunately and yeah. unfortunately. At, uh, um, Maggie, I need water. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just and, saying. And, and,
0: and, yeah. It's all so with, it. with that said, you know, the amount of people who are going to see The Irishman are maybe 100 million people. Because anybody, you know, that, these uh, streaming networks go everywhere. Right.
2: So it's limited <coughs> release in theaters November 1st, and then it's on Netflix the 27th, right? Right. But that's not that's not that I know. far after.
0: So, I know.
1: But it's going to be it's going to be when it goes to theaters. Is it in a limited or wide release?
0: No, limited. It's limited.
1: Yeah.
0: Limited. It's limited. So it's, yeah. Well, the exhibitors my- that are taking it, they must have made a great deal just for the bragging yeah. rights. Because most, as I've seen, just with my my situation with the Godfather, and I was only twenty six at that time. The exhibitors, which I found out because I'm, I have a, a, a piece of of that film and watched it grow is the exhibitors love when a film stays longer in the theaters Mm -hmm. because the first two or three weeks most of the money goes to the studio. It's a ratio thing. The first premiere maybe the first premiere week they get maybe 15 cents on the dollar and then Mm -hmm. the scale keeps going to them. So if they stay there two months or three months by the end the studio is getting the 15 cents. Hmm. So they love that. And that's one of the reasons they were fighting this because they're not gonna have enough time to make their money back. So I think, you know, to appease everyone, and I don't know what the deal was, and maybe we'll know just on our own deal because I selfishly would like our film slash 10-hour series to become a, a limited release, right? Why not qualify for everything? If we're going to go, let's go for gold. Well. Let's go for a Golden for the Globe, go gold. gold for the gold, <laughs> yeah, all the gold. So um, that's what's going on with that. But you know, Martin Scorchese as a filmmaker, from his first big movie, you know, Mean Streets was an amazing movie, mm-hmm. and then you know, going on with Taxi Driver Goodfellas and Casino and gangs that couldn't shoot, I mean, gangs of New York. And then the last big film, we all talked about it just recently, Departed. So he has this bastard. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I've known this guy, of, of the guy, all my life because of the neighborhood. And uh, in fact, his mother, when we were kids, real little kids, uh, nobody really wanted to play with Marty. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> so uh, a couple of the guys in the neighborhood convinced, or she did, and uh, they let him play ball with them. They used him as first base.
1: <laughs> <I'm so laughs>
0: Are you playing first base or as first base? No, as, as first base. First oh, okay, first right. Yeah. Well, let's get into them. I mean, uh, all I heard from, I, I read the New York Times on Saturday. It was amazing. I mean, I read every review and they just praised it. Mm-hmm. There was no negativity at all. There was a little, they said a little cartoonish situation when they went to that, uh, making them younger. That process. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's something... I understand that in this uh, movie that this is a new process that's never been done before. Right. And uh, when you look at the, at the trailer, uh, De Niro literally looks like he's 40. I mean, I, I mean I'm looking at it on television. I, I couldn't tell. Right. Uh, this must be a hell of a process. It, well, it looked real to me. I don't know where they got that cartoonish... I don't know. I mean, on, I'm just saying it,
0: that the only, the only person that wrote yeah. that... Was the New York Times? Mm. They just felt, you know, they they lost something there. But then the, yeah. the next sentence, he was back praising it to death. So, you know, so yeah, well, like like most critics, they like to say negative things just to, they just to throw them something in there. Yeah, make like, ma- believe that they they know what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They want to earn their money.
0: So uh, what? This, what, uh,
1: this, uh, what?
0: Go ahead. I would
1: say this book was originally published in 2004, uh, and it was one of the first books of its kind to, uh, to get published in pretty big numbers. A guy by the name of Brandt was the author who wrote it with uh, Frank Sheeran, uh, and it was doing very well. And it was, I mean, almost immediately there was buzz about making a movie. So obviously, I, who doesn't love gangster movies? Uh, me in particular, so I figured, wow, this is. Uh, I read the book, I liked it. Uh, until I researched it, found out things maybe I wasn't so pleased with, which we will talk about momentarily. Right. But I figured, wow, this is gonna be you know two or three years, we're gonna have a movie. And 15 years later, here we are, we're having a movie. <laughs> they well, sure took their time.
0: The timing um, couldn't be better for us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Keeps what they were uh, way, anticipating. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they said, this Hollywood Godfather uh, book is gonna come out in 15 years. Let's wait. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> no,
0: yeah. What will I be that's uh, what they at did. that time? I'd be 92. <laughs> Forget about it.
1: Yeah, well, you started thinking about the book in '95, so the word got out. I guess let's just right. wait until he finally does this. Yeah. Know, so. mm. All
2: right.
0: Well, I but couldn't. This, I, uh, I, 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 I couldn't let my book out. I was done in '95. Then yeah, and then, fortunately, I found you, and here we are now talking about it. But in '95, yeah. if I released a book with all the names I had in it, I wouldn't be in it. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't be here on this podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's for sure.
1: Uh, so, never, and, you know, when you think about it, it was a good thing that, uh, that, that you did wait for a lot of reasons. Oh, my Which, God. Uh, yeah. well, but this book, uh, when, it, when it came out, you know, people assumed that, well, it's in print. It's got to be true. Uh, and you, you're getting it from one person. And over the years, there have been people that have been uh, talking about what really happened versus what Frank Sheeran said happened in various uh, parts of the book. For example. He basically claimed to have been involved in every major assassination from Jimmy Hoffa uh, through JFK. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy was everywhere. He shot Joey Gallo. I mean, this guy it, it barely had time to reload, and he was going off to the next uh, con- you know, contract killing. Yeah, right. But, uh, I mean, you, do, do you want to discuss that a little about who this character really was? Well, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I we, I could, we could was, go
0: through his life because, uh, fortunately... You know, I, I knew enough people around him and the people he was dealing with. And, uh, you know, him getting with Hoffa was uh, base as a, a gopher and a driver. And then he made his bones. But the situation being that, uh, you, know,
1: well, did he, you know. Did he really? But his, you know, he, he gave interviews and, and, and quite a few of them. He said he learned how to kill in the military, but not kill in, uh, in the act of war, you know, uh, within the guidelines of the Geneva con- uh, Conventions, he picked out four times in the army where you were permitted uh, to kill basically for revenge. Mm. Uh, one of them, and he he, uh, he listed them in, in the book, one of them, uh, the first one was, Revenge killings, which you can figure is fairly common. In other words, if uh, somebody in your unit, you're in the army, you're fighting a war, somebody gets killed by the Germans, and you win a particular skirmish, you're pissed off because your friend died. Uh, So instead of taking prisoners, you gather up who you can gather up, and you just kill them. And this has been going on since there's been wars. And if you're involved in a a gunfight, that's not something major where you have a lot of brass around. Uh, you can do this, and it's been done, it's always been done, so I can understand that. Then he he starts to uh, elaborate the second incident where uh, he learned to kill illicitly in the military with permission was when his commanding officers uh, or, you know, his uh, unit commanders allowed him to kill uh, prison guards who were fleeing from concentration camps at the end of the war. Now, I I'm pretty big on history, and particularly World War II history. I've never heard of this happening, where they were given official sanction by, by commanders to go kill soldiers who were on basically guard duty. Uh, but that's what he says.
0: No, I'm uh, confused. Our, our, our soldiers or...
1: Yeah, we liberated the concentration camps in 1945. Uh, and prior to the... The Russians got there first. We were allies with, uh, with uh, Russia. They got to the concentration camps first in Poland, and we got there within days after that. But the Germans knew we were coming, uh, us and the, the Russians and the, all the other allies. So they cut out. They just left everybody there and ran. So what, uh, what Sheeran is trying to say that in the process of their flight, trying to flee, they were caught. And the, unit the American unit, unit commanders gave American soldiers permission to execute these guards.
0: Hmm. I would go all over that. But you know, they were trying
1: <laughs> to escape over days or weeks. Wherever they caught them, they, they, they were just put down. I find that extremely hard to believe. Because by that time, well, first of all, I can't see a commander of a unit allowing that, giving the order, put it that way, turning his head. Yeah, you know. Well, I wasn't right. there. I don't know what happened. But actually giving an order? No. That, that doesn't happen in the Army. I mean I can speak from first hand experience in Vietnam. You know, individual soldiers take it upon themselves. To, to do things in the heat of of war, which you wouldn't ever think of doing before you got into that situation, but war changes people. But to to get an order like that, I doubt it. Uh, well, fortunately, I have no view
0: of that. I was never in the okay. army. <laughs> I said, "Thank God, I was yeah. never." You know, I had a view of that. I don't. I don't know how You were in
1: a view of your own. But, well, uh, well, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no. And then he also said that they were uh, uh, killing. Uh, people that that was supplying the Germans. He, he mentioned one incident in the book in the Harz Mountains of uh, Germany. They came across a supply train of mules with uh, with German soldiers and civilians resupplying the army, and uh, they uh, lined them up and killed them. Oh, now that's how, thats how he said he got immune to killing. And when he got out of the the, the service, the uh, the natural segue for him was to continue it. Keep, he didn't yeah. have any, any, any conscience whatsoever. To him, his killings as, as a civilian was fighting uh, fighting a war, one family against another, one faction against another. Mm. had nothing to do with civilians. It was you, you, you get into this sort of life, and that's one of the consequences. So it didn't bother him.
0: Well, I can uh, relate to that in my own yeah. little way, because, you know, once I, I had my first kill, it, and just, again, mm-hmm. to, like the soldiers were doing to protect themselves and keep themselves alive and their people around them, them alive, You it becomes second nation, nature to you because you have to survive. My survival, yeah, and that's it. Yeah. So um, fortunately I got control of it, or Mr. Costello and Mr. Gambino helped me get control of it because I would have been a, 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 just a dead-out assassin Hmm. I was going that way when I was a teenager. But uh, fortunately, that stopped. But uh, I, can, well, your, your I, can, first, I can relate to it. I'm sorry.
1: Well, yeah, your, your first incident, as you relate in, in, in uh, the book, happened when you were 12. I know. Saving to, 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 to save your life, it was a self-defense situation. But let me ask you this. We never really discussed it uh, uh, in, in real depth. What did you feel after you... Uh, you kill that person you were 12 years old? What did you well, what I've, was your I've, internal feeling?
0: My internal feeling because I, I used to watch this guy never knowing what he was doing because the only, only privacy we had in the ward was the pipes over your bed and they drew curtains around if they had to examine you and that was the only privacy but and we, he, we, he was a physical to, therapist we have,
1: to, we, we have to explain to the listeners where you are and what happened
0: well, and I'm not, I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I always take that for granted. In mm-hmm. 1949, I was quarantined in Bellevue Hospital as a kid, with no, you know, no contact with the outside world. I didn't know what quarantine. I couldn't even read the word; it was so big. I saw it over the mm-hmm. door once when I was wheeled in, and I never looked back from that point. So I was seven. I was seven, going on seven.
1: Yeah,
0: I was. Uh, yeah. My my seventh birthday was that December 12th that coming December. Yeah. But with that said, I watched... I mean, I didn't... Because children today are so astute of sex and everything else just because of all this iPads and everything else. I mean, I'm sure all my kids and grandchildren are all watching porno on uh, their iPads in their room at night. Mm. When we, It's similar to us, though, when we were sneaking and getting Playboy magazine. So it's... Uh, but it's not as exposed it is today. I would think. So me not knowing what a pedophile was, or when Dolores, my my nurse in the in the ward, warned me about this guy, I didn't know what to think about. What is she talking about? He's going to attack me. Mm. So I prepared myself, in a, in a subconscious way, to go to battle. So that's when I created my weapon with with the broom handle. And that was my weapon to protect myself against him, and thank God I had. This was it. was
1: a sharp. This this was a sharpened broom.
0: Yeah, I broke the the, uh, the uh, bristles off and just, you know, sharpened it in the grout of the tile when I used to go to the bathroom because I was in no hurry. I was just going back to bed, mm-hmm. but thank God I had that. So I, when he says that, when she and says you 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 get immune to it because it's combat, and then when he gets back in. To American society, that's how he justified it, I guess, like I did too. Because now he's with Hoffa and he has to protect him. Or whatever orders he's supposed to take, now it's not the master sergeant anymore, it's Jimmy Hoffa giving the orders to somebody else.
1: Yeah, well, if you believe everything he says. Now, when, when he says, the when when, when uh, they realized Hoffa had to go, well, you do have more information on that. Why was a hit set up on Jimmy Hoffa? Everybody hears about, you know, there's uh, there's uh, jokes on late night television about where is Jimmy Hoffa now? He's in somebody's basement, mm. you know. But ask somebody why was he killed, and they'll scratch their heads. So why don't you bring us up to date on why he had to go?
0: Well, I know why he had to go, and I, I was uh, I borrowed thirty two million dollars too from the Brotherhood, the Teamster Brotherhood, to build the. But he room. was
1: depressed yeah. enough at one time.
0: And, well, he was, and then uh, the deal that to get the pardon. Actually when he was in prison, he still was the president of Teamsters. Did you know that? He didn't relinquish well, he, was, he didn't relinquish being the president.
1: What about that guy Fitzsimmons? Didn't he take
0: his place? Fitzsimmons was the acting president and Fitzsimmons oh, but Hopper
1: was still the president in yeah. the federal prison.
0: Because when if you read the papers of part of Nixon's deal to you know, to let him out and pardon him, he had to relinquish that he was the president. Of the Teamsters, and they, they made this deal, and the mob got to Nixon because they controlled about five presidents at that time that I knew, and to get him out because he found religion in prison. And was he was going to talk, and he was going to talk, and he was going to get the membership because you know Jimmy Hoffa was in in the cabs of these trucks. These guys related to him. Fitzsimmons was a yeah. brilliant lawyer and uh, businessman who never got his hands dirty doing anything. And, you know, I mean, I have to say, Jimmy Hoffa created that union, and he was on the picket lines, and and the, they, they believed in the guy. So by that time, Fitzsimmons already lent out, I think it was 80% of all the new construction in Las Vegas was financed by the Teamsters. I mean... Friendship fund. Pension fund. I mean, th- that that was a bank for guys like Steve Wynn and everybody else. So they were afraid of him, him coming out and pulling the plug on all that. Right. And the mob, you know, obviously controlled Vegas because they didn't get Cuba back that they were supposed to. But here we are. And this guy's going to be a maniac. And so they, they convinced, you know, Nixon to get him out and they pardoned him. And soon after that, he was, kidnapped, and killed.
1: So, okay, so I'll...
0: I'll I didn't hear anything you know, about Frank Sheehan's name anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, according to, you know, I'll pick it up from what Sheeran says in the book, that he meets uh, Hoffa and one other person, the guy with an Italian last name, Bugliati or something like that, in this restaurant in Detroit, and then supposed to go from the restaurant to somewhere else in Detroit for a sit-down, because Hoffa had just gotten out. And they were supposed to decide what he was going to do and stay. And, but it was, uh, it was a planned assassination. So according to Sheeran, uh, they went from this restaurant in Detroit to a house in Detroit. Uh, when you hear other stories, he was spirited away to Jersey or whatever. According to, to Sheeran, they drove about 20 minutes. They get to a house. They went into the house to wait for everybody else to show up. Uh, Sheeran was his bodyguard, shoots him in the head and kills him. And at that time, there was uh, three people on a on a uh, cleanup crew. When they heard the shot, they came in. They took Hoffa, and the rest is history. They never found Hoffa. Well,
0: you she know, I, I, I can't dispute that now that I'm hearing it that way, because all I know yeah. of was the people that supposedly di- disposed of him, and huh. they did it on Staten Island, and it was a bidding war of, the, of who was going to get the, uh, the remains <laughs> without saying oh
1: was that
0: a uh, was that a prestigious <clears throat> thing everybody wanted to a- oh yeah I mean I every, mean, but yeah. you know because it was it was a unique way of doing it because the friction heat alone that 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 destroyed all the DNA so mm-hmm. if, if right now someone had an idea that uh, he's a a pedestal for a coffee table they can remove the coffee uh-huh. table and uh, there's not going to show up anything huh just bring me my coffee no, table buyer, back. You
1: know, he's obviously never going to show up anywhere, this guy. But, you know, out of all the, the hits he said he did, uh, the, the one that's closest to reality is the, is the Hoffa killing because he was with Hoffa, Right. I mean, you know. They, they yeah, that makes sense. He,
0: yeah. See, but, and the, he, he other the, one that, the, the other one that I, I, I am definitely in question about is just, again, because I happen to be in the neighborhood and hear what, what, what went down last night was when, you know, um, Crazy Joe Gallo was celebrating his birthday at the Copa with his wife and Jerry Orbach, his best friend and his wife. And uh, our audience should know Jerry Orbach just from um, Law, uh, and order. Law and Order. And then even when I did a movie with Jerry Orbach with the Steven Seagal out for justice. Ah. And he played the cop and that. I got to know Jerry well. And like so many people, you know, they're enamored with gangsters, and Crazy Joe Gallo was a a great guy to be around, you know. He was very flamboyant, he was accepted by New York society, and uh, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the mobsters, that was one of the big things they didn't like about him. But when they left the Copa that night, just happened to be the Copa, that I, I was affiliated with early on as my teenage years because of Costello, like most Italians or people, they're drinking all night, let's go someplace to eat. And the, and mostly they went down to Chinatown on the other side of Mott Street, not the Italian side. So when they got down to 14 Mott, which was the favorite place to go mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it was being exterminated, it was like a Monday or Tuesday night, I forgot, a weekday night. Wow,
1: wasn't that, wasn't that profound?
0: Yeah, exterminated. But the the interesting thing, Jerry Orbach, not realizing that crazy Joe Gallo had a problem right now with the Gambinos, and nobody knew that, you know, they got permission to whack them. So Jerry Orbach says, "Let's Umberto's is open," which you know was right, right is always open twenty four hours a day. Mm -hmm. Most of those restaurants down there was, and Umberto's. Was owned by, you know, uh, Maddie and Yelly. Uh, and the uh, horse. Yeah, Maddie mm-hmm. the horse, and uh, which again is a friend of mine. And fa- fun. In fact, you know, I, I stood friends with Maddie up till he died. In fact, I opened Umberto's Clam House in the Bronx on Arthur Avenue. For did him. you really? Yeah, and I didn't have to Well, and, That's you know, right where
2: I live. Well, I know.
0: That's it. Just it keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. But so what happens is Sonny Pinto sees him in the window because that was all wide open. Uh, who, who, for, for those who don't know, who, who the hell is Sonny Pinto? Sonny Pinto was a soldier in the Gambinos from Mulberry Street. So He, he was called, a made guy. No, no, he wasn't made. No, 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 no. Not yet. Oh, no, he was a soldier. He wasn't a made guy. I think that's why he wanted to do this. And again, yeah. I know little about this guy other than knowing that he called the club, the Ravenite, and said, this guy is here, can I take him out? And a guy who I could talk about now, because he's dead, O'Neill said, go ahead. And he did. And yeah. I, mean, he, he, I mean, to think of him walking in a restaurant, and Joe Gallo is sitting between his wife and Jerry Orbach's wife, mm-hmm. and he empties his gun right into Joe on his birthday, and walks out. I mean, that takes a lot of balls. So now this guy well, saying we, he...
1: Joey Gallo made it out to the middle of the street,
0: I understand. Oh, right. we, yeah, I mean, but he was loaded with, no, he's fighting death, but he's gonna bleed yeah. out, hello. Yeah. yeah. No, well, he, yeah, he got up, which, not, that in itself, you know. Yeah, how can you even do well, that? Well, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. He's, he's, it's he's walking
1: dead. He's, he's, you know the adrenaline is pumping, and you want to get the hell out of there to save your life. But right. basically, like Johnny says, you're a walking dead man.
0: Right. But you know it's uh, it's it's crazy because you know I I I'm still friends with Maddie's nephews. They still run Umbertos, and and one of his nephews I was very close with was Frankie C. And and Frankie C's sisters they're all in the same family, and they run Lamella now. And 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 crazier than that. As Albert Gallo, the younger brother, he has a restaurant on Mulberry Street. So it's like, you know, m- most people didn't realize when you were successful enough and you wanted to open up something, you got it sanctioned and they let you open it up. The-
1: yeah, Mulberry...
0: But, but Johnny,
1: one of the unwritten rules was you don't do any business and live literally.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, violent. Well, you that's know. why he called the club. But, yeah. And they, they, they wanted him down. That's it. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it happened. But it's, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm so interested to see the rest of this movie. And hopefully, because you and I both know, Pat, when we wrote our book with St. Martin's Press, thank God for them, but even beyond mm-hmm. that, when Macmillan, the parent company, started to vet our book, every oh, name, man, yeah. every. I know the lawyers, and that's the only reason I know it. I never knew before that they went through everything because hey, they yeah,
1: Every book that I wrote, this was the most involved. I mean, they went through. You, you recall, we had it with, 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 with one segment toward the end with the John Gotti thing when you were banished to Europe. Oh, Yeah. We, I, I rewrote that thing seven times before they were happy. Right. We had to literally prove everything. They go over every name, uh, and and you have to back it up with facts. You know. Mm. So how, how Sheeran, how Frank Sheeran was able to put that in his book, and they just took his word for it that he killed Gallo.
0: I know, but that's that's and they I'm- printed it. But, and what you're telling me today for the first time, I, I, I heard it today from you, is that Joe Coffey basically certified it. Joe Coffee, oh, yeah, he did. Tell, tell the audience yeah, who Joe.
2: Co- Who's Joe Coffey? Uh,
0: uh, Joe
1: Coffey was a sergeant in the NYPD who specialized in uh, organized crime. Well, he specialized in two things. Organized crime investigations and promoting Joe Coffey. Those were his two
0: jobs. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> And the last one was uh, more was, prominent.
1: Yeah, the last one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, not necessarily in that order. You know? right. uh, he was a very, uh, uh, you know, to use the, the word again, a flamboyant. He was a big guy, dressed very well, good-looking guy. He, 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 never, uh, he never passed the camera that he didn't stop and talk to, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was interviewed about this, this Gallo hit, and he's you know, we're investigating it. But he, came, he, put, he put himself on the record several times. After this book came out, and attested to the fact that Frank Sheeran was the editor, that's fun. why would he do that? Now he knew, he knew who, who did the shooting.
0: Of course, he did. Yeah, you
1: know, everybody but on the street knew who did it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Joe Coffee knew. It was his job?
0: I know. But the but inter- the interesting that, 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 that thing about what artist. you just said about Joe Coffey, and because as we were writing our book, Joe Coffee's in our book because he was yeah. the, he was the guy who. Arrested John Gotti twice, mm. and the last time. Okay. And uh, he he was our house guest numerous times in Acapulco while he was still on the job, and he'd come down and you know he he always looked like a cop that was on the take, just just because of his wardrobe. He dressed well. Oh, well, he dressed like a million dollars. No, really. He kept my
1: five thousand dollars suits on a cop's salary.
0: You know? No, it's crazy, but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but with with that said, maybe when they were doing this book. They, they interviewed him, which gave them the certification, and maybe that's why it's got into the book now that we're examining well, now, it. Well, you
1: know, if you put it that way, you're probably right. They need somebody to verify that what Sharon is saying is true, and if you, you go to the source, you go to Joe Coffey. I mean, he's the, the organized crime guy.
0: Right, so, so yeah, maybe, did maybe they well, did that, did you know.
1: And now, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, why would Coffey do that? And, you know, you can say, well... Somebody said, that perhaps you should say that, yeah, she- Sheeran did it. Because by that time, Sheeran was dead.
0: And, and not only uh, that, if they make a movie, I'm sure he said, well, I'll say that, but I wanna, I, I'm i playing be myself movie. in the movie. <laughs> I know him. I know him too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not,
1: you know, not only that, but they took the heat off the real people who did it. And that was the end of that. But yeah, yeah that surprised me, too, where, <laughs> where he, he verified that, that Sheeran did it. Then Sheeran places himself in the uh, JFK assassination. Uh,
0: yeah, that that exactly, really blew me away.
1: Well, he didn't say he he pulled the trigger. He said he uh, he supplied three rifles, and he gave it to a guy by the name of David Ferry. David Ferry was a uh, uh, a uh, disgraced airline pilot. They they bounced him because in his off-duty time, he was uh, ferrying guns back and forth to the Cubans. And uh, uh, Ferry allegedly had something to do with the JFK assassination. Wanted three untraceable rifles. And Sharon fired him with the rifles. Mm.
0: Yeah, but you know what's the interesting was, thing? The whole I'll put into that story, and this is certified, you can look it up any way you want. During the Cuba crises, the CIA paid Santo Traficante and Johnny Roselli to put a hit on Fidel Castro. They train oh,
1: well known. I mean, that's is, what I'm saying.
0: No, but they, Congress, no, yeah. let me let me finish why though. They yeah. train them on a CIA base to become marksmen. Hmm. And they were yeah, getting Florida. they were yeah. getting yeah, they were getting paid thousands of dollars a month and laughing. Yeah. So why would Frank Sheehan have to supply a rifle when yeah. they <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah. they're, yeah, right. they're on a the military base with anything they want they could take. Well, not only that, if you're dealing with the CIA, you tell me that these people
1: can't get three untraceable rifles? That's what I'm telling you. I I live in the middle of nowhere, and I can get three untraceable rifles. I know, but that's (laughs) what I'm saying.
0: The last thing they would want to do, but the other thing, as we're talking about this, the other thing that proves to me that he did not do that, because anybody that was involved with the Kennedy assassination, 73 to be exact, including Dorothy Kilgallen, was taken out immediately within the next month. Mm. So how did she... Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, back in the day, and that wasn't too long ago that that, that the book was published, but by the way, this is a very, very small publishing house. I never heard of them.
0: Well, maybe they didn't have lawyers. Uh, (laughs) If they were were small, they had nothing to lose, too. No, but they had nothing who, to lose. Who Who's going to sue them? Well, nope. Exactly. Who, who are they talking about? Dead people. Right, right. I mean, you,
1: you can't get sued. They figured, you know, we <coughs> want to sell uh, a couple of hundred thousand books. Let's print the book. And, uh, you know, you do deal with reputable publishers like, you know, like we have. I mean, if you got an eye wrong, you know, they, they're calling you up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, you got to verify this. You got to. We can't take your word for it. We need something on paper. We need the two, you know, two witnesses. They're driving us crazy. For uh, months, right. wow! And we, and you're talking here about killing someone, and they just took his word for it.
0: You know, I, I have to just—I uh, uh, made a note to myself, that, and someone else brought up a listener that we don't identify ourselves enough. You're hearing all this on Hollywood Godfather <laughs> podcast. This is not a that news. Where I am? This is not a newscast. <laughs> we're giving we're giving facts of American history. And people are just, you know, listening to us like this is the Irishman. This is real facts that we're telling you. Mm-hmm. This has happened you know, in life.
1: Knowing, you know, Johnny, Johnny, <clears> knowing what we know, I still can't wait to see
0: the picture. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it because of who's in it, not about what they're saying. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: no, that's true.
0: Oh, me too. I want to I mean, see it. Oh, no. definitely. Let's all see I, it together, you
2: know, the three of us. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I'd probably get a copy. Yeah, we, we, really? I, yeah. Really? Yeah. You don't have to come I'm, up here right anyway, Pat. I have big. Yeah, screen. we'll have
1: uh, we'll, we'll have an Irishman party. That night Yay. we be Irish
0: mist. But the interesting thing, you know, uh, um, um, well, Megan has been here.
2: Did you just forget my name? Yeah, I,
0: I did. Actually. <laughs> it's it's called old age. Oh, so many right. beautiful women in his life. No, but oh, the bottom big. the bottom line is the, the, we, we have a ten foot by six foot screen, so you want to watch? Oh, it I know on the, it's a
2: great viewing viewing setup we have here. Yeah, it's amazing. You're gonna have to make. This.
0: So anyway, oh, I'd, I'd love to. Um, yeah, one question yeah. that I
2: do have, Gianni, have you talked to uh, De Niro since this has this film has come out, or no, I haven't talked to Bobby. Talked
0: Bobby's office called me a couple of weeks ago prior Bobby De Niro because mm-hmm. I am that close to him, and uh, uh, any anyway, of our listeners know he gave us a forward on our book cover. Yes. So he read this book, right? And he questioned me, and I'm wondering why he didn't ask me himself because we spoke many times while he was re- reading my book he'd call me all hours of the night just to get clarity really so either he just read the script that Martin Scorsese gave him on the Irishman and never read the book I don't know but knowing Bobby he is uh, uh, he d- digs in really oh no he's easy he's, he just
1: see to be part of the character yeah
0: yeah and he's you know he's playing that guy, mm-hmm. so he is that guy. Yeah. Well, but he isn't <laughs> the really. guy. I mean, <laughs> that guy. But he's playing the guy, and now that you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, we had conversations, and I, I don't I don't know why he didn't bring it up, but and maybe just you know well, Bobby's a funny guy. If if you have a million dollars that you have no use for, and you want Bobby to come and read you the newspaper in your house, get him a plane, or if he lives down the block, it's even easier, give him a million dollars. He takes a million dollars a week, he'll, he'll read anything. That's the reputation he has now. He says, screw it. Most of the stuff ain't getting to the screen anyway. And you know- He's he, just doing it just to do just it. He's just doing it because he'll work 40 weeks a year and make $40 million. Hello.
2: I mean, if he still likes what well, he's doing, well, then
0: it doesn't hurt. Oh, he loves it. I don't know well,
2: if he loves it. Well, not only it. that, <laughs> this, is,
1: this is a Martin Scorsese movie with with every. Oh, yeah. with, with, with four Oscar winners in it. Uh, you know, I mean, why would you turn it down and say, well, this doesn't seem to be true. It doesn't sound right. He right. Yeah, It's going to be a block. Yeah. It's going to no, be but a That's block what one. I'm
0: saying. He don't care. Give me the money. I corrected myself because yeah, right. I know him. But yeah. you know what's more interesting and I don't think our audience, or most people don't know this, is that this is the first time Pacino did a Martin Scorchese movie.
2: I did know that. I saw that somewhere online. So that was a
0: big thing, like you're saying. To have this ensemble cast, because Joe Pesci, De Niro, they've done work with them before. right? You know, and, and there's a lot of characters in this that uh, are, you know, but again, uh, now the hindsight again is 2020 and Bobby just said, hey, how much you paying me? I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> what do you want to well, say?
1: I, I, I would imagine that a, a big portion is that $160 million of salaries.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, with this group?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a huge,
2: yeah.
1: huge group. They've
0: got there. And it was, it was a long shoot, too. You know, it was a period piece. I think uh, they shot 300-something you know days. Do you
1: know what part Harvey, uh, Harvey Keitel plays, by any chance? Yeah, I never seen ha-
0: Harvey Keitel. I, I know exactly who he's playing. He's playing Buffalino the cool. boss of philadelphia yeah no I he's not know playing buffalino i knew that I he's playing
1: buffalino no, who's
2: playing um uh, it's bruno angelo bruno
0: angelo bruno? bruno right oh
1: angelo bruno yeah, yeah. Oh, oh he's playing angelo bruno okay yeah. because they, they didn't even mention him and he's i read about two or three reviews nobody mentioned him yeah Except the fact that he's in it oh he plays uh, the only reason Angela i know Brown? that okay. is
2: because someone mentioned it in one of the uh mailbag questions that's the only reason why i knew oh, that yeah. no, <laughs> right.
0: no but it's it's crazy yeah. I mean, like you said, the ensemble cast that's in it. I mean, it, 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 it's 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 going to be a great. We already we already know it's a great movie. So, and uh, I think yeah, we're, we're running out of time. Aren't
2: we? Yeah, I think we are. We're getting close yeah. to it. We still have some time for some questions, though. Questions, oh yeah, no please.
0: Comments. Oh no, you mean for the mailbag? Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Right. Why don't we leave this and go watch the uh, Irishman and give us your take on it? Send us emails, man. We love to hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, sure. let's go to the mailbag.
2: All right. Sounds good. So I'll start with a couple comments that we have. Um, first is one from Angie. And she says Gianni, you are so amazing. I just started listening to your podcast and I love it. I'm on episode six and I'm totally enthralled. Your life story is fascinating, and you are so down-to-earth and real. God bless you and your future endeavors. That's
0: my niece, I think, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's Thank sweet, you. wasn't it? Thank you. That's very nice of you, She's yeah, starting from the nice beginning, so
2: problem. she's got a lot of catching up to do. Oh,
0: yeah, perfect. Oh, so she's cool. only has six?
2: Yeah, she said she was on episode six.
0: What are we, up to 31, 30-something. 30 We're
2: getting up yeah, there. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's good. God 30, bless. 38, I think. 38. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, Snub 38, okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, so this comment comes from Karen. Karen says, I absolutely love this podcast. It's amazing. I pre-ordered the book here in the UK, and when it arrived, I finished it in one day. It was a great read, and I really hope it is made into a film or series.
0: Well, from your mouth to God's ears, because it looks like it's gonna happen. <laughs> Apparently her dream is, is going Karen? to come true. Is this Karen? is Karen. Karen, uh, listen to the podcast because I was just contacted by Great Britain this week, actually, and I'll be coming over there doing uh, a couple of events for the book being there and in uh, Ireland. So I'll be there in this, oh, wow. this fall. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Uh, so she also says, Pat is a great writer. I've also just ordered one of his other books. And then she said... Oh, was, she,
1: she's the one. Oh, I know, I know somebody on it. <laughs> okay, uh, you saw that one yeah. order
2: placement? Um, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs>
1: one of my books sold it. And, oh, my God. Somebody bought a copy. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then last thing she says is, it is quite forward-thinking to have a millennial on the podcast. See? I got a little
0: shout-out, too. Hey. <laughs> All right. No, hey, listen. Pat and I, we sat down, and, and, and the audience may have heard this before or not, but I can't stop saying it because... I am a religious person. Pat and I knew we needed a millennial. And there I go to church on New Year's Day, and I find, his, I find our millennial with her sister and a brother and a mother and father <laughs> holding hands saying the Our Father. And I said, that's a beautiful family. Only hey, to find out we're in <laughs> the same hotel and our father would like me to talk to his daughter Who's in film school and uh, and we live
2: and, in the same city
0: and we live and in the same city. It just worked city. out
2: so well. And
0: here we are. But thank thank you, Karen.
2: Um, also from Karen, she now has a question for us. Oh, so this one is uh, it's for all of us. She asks, "What is your favorite Italy restaurant in New York?" Italian restaurant.
0: Uh, my dining room is mine. <laughs> I Which think that your? might be
2: my favorite too. I eat so well when I come here.
0: <laughs> and Pat, who, so what do you like your favorite, in New York? John? You have one. Not really, I mean, I should, boast, I should uh, boast my cousin's restaurant, which is right on the corner, Scarnatella, which mm. is Joe Pesci's. He's been there every night last week. let
2: go hang out with him.
0: No, because he was for the premiere. He loves oh, it. Oh, no, he oh, loves it. it. No, a lot of people do. And you, you need a movie star's uh, um, bankroll to go there. Mm. A pasta dish, normal pasta dish, is $85. Really? My God. Oh, no, no. It's crazy.
2: That's insane. No,
0: man, He gets it. You, uh, there's, there's limousines out there every night. Wow. He's open uh, seven days a week. I will give
1: a shout out to uh, the restaurant that we had the uh, book party reception in.
0: Oh, my God. Johnny, yeah. <laughs> help,
1: help me out here.
0: That's for Scotto. Well, uh, uh, Scotto by uh, Scotty. The Scotto family.
1: Hmm.
2: Where is that?
0: Right Let's on go. 50, go. 54th Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah,
1: 54. That was great. And it was one on First Avenue across the street from uh, where you live uh, that's no longer in business. Uh, it's another Italian restaurant now, but I used to go there, and it was Il Caminetto.
0: Oh my I lived God. Yeah. yeah.
1: What a great place that was. I was there every Saturday night.
0: Wow. On a yeah, I know the very well. But What's your name, Jim you know, Coffee? You, you asked <laughs> you, you ask to,
1: you, you ask to pick out a good Italian restaurant in New York. It's like looking, I mean. There's,
0: there's probably one on every corner. Of them. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How, how, how about you, Megan? You got a good an Italian I mean, restaurant
2: you like? Most of my Italian cuisine has been from the Bronx. I live right in Little Italy, so I have so many favorites. She's on Arthur area.
0: Avenue, a block away yeah, from yeah, my Avenue. I'm two
2: blocks from Arthur oh, Avenue. okay.
0: She's. So, I, in fact, I was with Mario last Sunday. He got an award. That restaurant. I have been to Mario. 110 years old. It's been there.
2: Right. I mean, you can't uh, go is, wrong Dominic anywhere still on there? that street. Still Dominic's. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, Dominic's still yeah, there. Yeah, I used to go there a lot. Oh, yeah.
2: There's Any any Italian name you could think of, there's a restaurant left there at. Oh, yeah, hello.
0: yeah. I understand most yeah,
1: of yeah. them are owned by Albanians now.
2: That is true, actually. Yeah. There's, there's a big yeah. Albanian population
1: around, but, yeah. 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 They just learned to keep on cooking. No problem. Well, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they used to
0: swim over to Italy. They could do that to learn how to cook. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah, That's how close they are.
1: Yeah, that was a Albania, natural yeah. transition. when wow. The Albanians started taking over the Italian restaurants. Quality was the same. The food was the same, and they're
0: good cooks.
2: Can't, can't knock them. No. Yeah. Mm. All All right. Next. Well, I think we have uh, time for one more. So we kind of already touched upon this, but I'm still going to ask it. This is from Leo for Gianni and Pat. Leo asks, for those who are skeptics when it comes to some of the stories, both in the podcast and the book, what would you say to them?
0: Well, I mean, they, there's, there'll be a skeptic. I mean are they any of my ex-wives Or I don't understand but you know this is so hard to digest mm-hmm. and I understand it and I've done now we're blessed of h- how much attention we've gotten from media all over the world and uh, I can understand that. how could one person do as much as I have done the only reason I could say it is I had the energy even now I do 10 things a day but so I, I never wanted to not have money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I always hit the streets. And uh, I'm, I'm now having Pat to clarify it all, and he's been on the other side of the fence, this stuff is very hard to just absorb and say, this has got to be all true. I mm-hmm. can understand.
1: You have to understand, and we discussed it at the beginning of the show, uh, publishers are, are very paranoid about getting sued. So before they even think about publishing a book, they vet literally everything. Right. They go over every name, every incident and they have their own uh, researchers and readers and they do the research. If they find out uh, anything uh, contrary to what we're saying, they talk to us about it. Mm-hmm. But Johnny's been keeping journals all his life. so He can back up a lot of what he says. Plus a lot of what he says is uh, is in print and media. Some of it really have to hunt for but that's their job and nothing goes in the book that's going to get them sued trust me right this is a long I've been to this for 20 years and they will not print anything that's rumor for fear of getting sued uh, so yeah with some of these stories you know uh, how could how could somebody uh, live through this keep keep in mind that this story is told over si- over 60 years mm-hmm. uh, time span this isn't something that happens in two weeks right uh, first of all, and I mean, yeah, Gianni seen it all. He came up as a very, very young kid and, uh, I always used to tease him and I still do. It's like the Forrest Gump of the mob, every major event, <laughs> well, not every major event, but a lot of major events that w- would, uh, uh, that occurred in organized crime. He was either a party to or, or, or knew of through the people that brought him up, like the Frank Costellos of the world.
2: Right.
1: So th- this is, you know, this isn't a, a history book. This is a memoir. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we, we put in our, our own uh, dialogue. How do we know what, who said what to who 60 years ago? But uh, we, we can assume based on what the outcome of whatever they're talking about was. So, uh, yeah, it's all vetted. We, we can't say anything
0: that's not true. Hmm. Well, with that, we should say goodnight. Yes. Thank you all for yes. tuning in. Thank you, Pat, <laughs> and my millennium. <laughs> Would you be a millennial, is that what you call? a Millennial.
2: Bu- that's millennial. a
0: millennial, but you being the person, it's a millennial. You're a millennial,
2: a mi- I'm part of the millennium, I think.
0: Millennium, is that what okay. it, does that sound right? Yeah. All so right. all of you yeah, out there, what, where, whatever category you fall in, thank <laughs> you for listening. Subscribe, tell your friends. We love doing what we do, and we hope you do. Good night. And we'll God see you nice. next week. Yep.
2: All right. Bye-bye. Good night, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.